think it'll be really interesting, first of all, is if you can explain why you became a trainer in the first place. Because I'm super interested in that personally. And um, just curious to see, like, what triggered that? Why you didn't, you know, go set up your own agency? Because I'm I'm sure, like me, that's a question you get asked quite a lot around why did you go into training? Why did you just set up your own agency? Um, I think at the time I wanted, I wanted to stay in the recruitment industry, but I wanted to do something different. And I think I felt like if I go and set up an agency, I obviously at the time I felt like I'd need to be quite hands-on from the start. It would be a small business. I'm going to be feeling like I'm still doing a very similar thing, obviously with the added responsibility of having a business. And I just kind of felt like I want to do something a bit different and I was doing a coaching diploma at the time um, and I'd obviously done a bit of training and development with the candidates I was working with because I had to get I was running an academy within the agency so and I loved it I absolutely loved watching them develop and doing the coaching diploma I felt well I can marry these two things together and make a business around training and coaching and I think I just thought if I want to do an agency in the future I, I, I can do it in the future but right now this feels like the right thing for me to do mm. so what what was that first like the first like six months as a, as a trainer then what was that like like in terms of oh well stepping away from the tools first of all that must have been weird it was it was weird for me personally like it, for me as well like initially it felt like i was on holiday and then I was like, oh, I'm not actually doing recruitment again. I'm just teaching people from now on. And then how did you find like um, teaching other teams and um, building your, your coaching business? Um, well, it was quite exciting because my first official day, we were in lockdown. So it's the second big wave, Christmas time. So, um, and I had COVID. I wasn't unwell from it or anything, but I was like housebound. So um, in a in a really weird way, it just felt very exciting because A, the challenge of like managing lockdown again, and then this just new, this whole new different lifestyle because I had worked from home for, for nearly seven years, uh, well, just over seven years, but not doing the same job. And I think at first... I just carried over a lot of the same routines. So I w- started work at the same time. I finished work at the same time as my old job. I took my lunch time at the same time. Um, I was doing my business development in a very similar way. I set up exactly the same spreadsheet, but just with different people going into it. I was very much in the same. I think it did help me at first, um, but I was very much in that same um, carry over, like some of the same routines. But I just enjoyed the challenge of it um at first and it just felt really refreshing after so long to be doing something new and different and being able to put my own stamp I I didn't have to ask not that I had to ask permission all the time my old job but I literally could do whatever I wanted so that felt amazing um and then yeah I think the so the first and it felt a lot easier than I thought it would my first year was lovely I'll be honest it was a really nice introduction to having a business um and then when things started opening up a bit more and I started getting my first bits of client work it was a mixture of nerve-wracking 
because it is a lot of pressure. You know what it's like. Like, okay, I've won the business. Great. Now I have to deliver. Like that. Like that's mm. how you get your reputation. That's how you get paid. Um, and I think my first face-to-face bit of work, which was in the July, I had I think four trainees in the group, and just that realization of like effectively, I am now a teacher, and just dealing with that that pressure because I always wanted to be do a very good job, but. Um, yeah, on the most part, it was just so nice to be doing something different, refreshing. I liked, I started off doing a four and a half day week, so that was nice. But I did have to break out of some of the regimented, you must do nine hours of work a day to be a full day of work and you must start at this time and finish at this time. That was quite hard. I reckon I only broke out of that properly end of last year. It was really mm. hard letting go of that. Yeah, it's yeah. it is a weird one because it weird one. it's just how I I, I personally still get it now. Like my brain, it always reverts back to have I done that? Have I done a nine to five or a ten to six? So yeah, like how do you work then? Like how do you structure your day and how do you manage your time? So for me, um, I try now to listen more to my body because when I was in recruitment, I didn't. And I think sometimes that feeling of like being exhausted and stressed, I wore it as like a medal of honor. Like I've worked really hard this week. Um, So I kind of used those feelings as like proof I'd worked enough. And that's what I started doing at the start of of the business. And that was one of the reasons why I set the business up was to have a better kind of work life balance. So um, now, yeah, I kind of try and go, I don't time block so much. So I will put tasks in my diary by priority. Um, if I finish those things and it's three o'clock, I finish those things. Now, if I feel like I can do more and I want to do more, I might go to the gym for a bit, come back and do something else. But if I feel like, do you know what? I feel really exhausted from that. I'm not going to do anything after the gym. And I now do a four day week. So my days are fuller because I've got that. Friday off I chose to have a Friday off but um kind of yeah just go by how I feel like some days I'm loving what I'm doing I feel great I did I think it was one day last week I worked like for ages I was in Starbucks till about nearly eight o'clock but I was I felt great I had loads of energy I wasn't tired I was loving what I was doing I was really enjoying it why would I why, why would I stop I had snacks for me it wasn't like I was hungry or anything so I worked on so I just mm. kind of go by how much of a priority things are to do and how I feel. Like, what does my body need? Does my body need a rest or do I feel like I can carry on? Mm. Do you have like, um, when you're actually planning your day, do you do like to-do lists or do you do like the, you know, the Eisenhower matrix, which is like most important, important, but urgent, et cetera, et cetera. Or, or like, do you have any other like specific system that you use or maybe teach? So what I tend to do, well, when I teach other people, a lot of the time, um, I will we'll go through kind of like how you could literally, when I was in recruitment, I had stuff in my diary, but I had like a to-do list. I'd write everything out I needed to do. Obviously, things get added through the day, and I would work at the priority level, and sometimes that would change throughout the day. So I could have been doing one thing, something new comes in, that goes straight to the top, right? Drop that, do that instead. Um I've taken out a similar thing that I talked to my the consultants I train out of um, 
Stephen Covey's Seven High Habits of Highly Effective People. It's the same similar matrix, like a time management matrix. That tends to work quite well for people because they like having the boxes and, you know, again, reevaluating it throughout the day. But for my own diary, I plan every Thursday before I finish. I plan my next week. Some Anything that's time blocked, usually meetings. Obviously, if I'm going in and training with a client, I could be there eight till four or nine till five. And that is very structured around their working hours. Um, then I, I stay till five. Even if I feel exhausted at three, that's not up to me. That's up to the client. But the days I'm at home, mm. I'll just add the tasks in of the things I know I need to do on certain days or want to do. And then when the day comes, I'll base it then on the priority level of what order I do it in. And I'll just move the task up and down in the diary as of when it needs to be. Um, so, for example, like every Monday morning, I check my content calendar every morning, but I need to get over. Um, I do a weekly email mailer. I need to get that information over to my virtual assistant. So he's got time to prep it for Wednesday. So every Monday morning, I get that out of the way. I don't particularly enjoy doing it. But it needs to be done because he needs time to prep it. Um, if I've got my LinkedIn live, uh, I need to make sure I've um, it, the following week I've got to write the promotional material for it. I get that done on a Monday morning because, again, it needs to be prepped in time. And I don't really like doing it. So if it's done and out of the way, I can crack on with all the other things in the day. So I just kind of – I always plan the week before. I don't go into the week thinking I don't want Monday morning to be wasted by thinking, right, what am I going to do this week? What am I going to do today? It's already set out. So I come into Monday and I can just crack on, basically. Hmm. Yeah, you seem very disciplined, very disciplined. which is, I think, is, a I big think thing, big. especially when you're setting up your own business. With, yeah. like, with, like, young recruiters, people who, like, you know, maybe just finished their degree or maybe haven't even got that, they've just come from, like, a sales job or whatever, um yeah do you do you feel like you can teach discipline or is it something that has to come from within them like they need to want it and therefore implement discipline themselves well some people are naturally very disciplined so i i always have been in my adult life anyway i wasn't wouldn't say like i was maybe as a, like a, a younger teenager or anything um so for me, it comes quite naturally. For others, it's a learned behaviour. They have to kind of get their heads around. I think with newbies, first day, first week, I lay out the expectations of them and this job because it is hard. It's not an easy job. And they need to understand. And some of these expectations will come from their employer because you know what it's like. Different agencies have slightly different expectations. But it's making them aware of the types of discipline they will need. And, okay, some people will, will grab hold of that and, and find it easier. Others will need to be um, manage, the, the, manage how they um, cope with uh, being disciplined a bit better. But it's just making them aware of what's expected around certain things. And I think if you know you're not naturally as disciplined, but you have the awareness of it, then you could be better at being disciplined, if that makes sense. You could kind of, it's when people aren't aware that they're not very good at it. But that's why I'm there, is to help them have that awareness and then create some activities, tasks or whatever that will help them manage the fact that they're not as disciplined. It's not to say they will ever be as disciplined as others in the room. That doesn't matter. They don't need to be, but it's just having certain things that they know, well, this needs to happen. Um, but you know, mm. I'd say things like 
um, just being a bit organised about how you manage your day and not just going with the ebbs and flows of it. You do need to do in recruitment because you know what it's like. The day will go. You're at five o'clock and you're like, uh, what have I done today? Oh, I've just answered the yeah. office phone every time it's rang and responded to emails about where we're going for lunch. Shit, I haven't done anything. Sorry, can I swear on this podcast? You can swear what, however the fuck you want, Kate. Like. That's fine. <laughs> I've been holding it back a little bit, but I'll just let it run free. So, um, no. yeah, I think there's certain things that, I, in my opinion, you need to be disciplined about. Um, and that's what I try and teach the people that I train. So they're, in, they're getting it instilled. It almost, it's, it's creating a positive habit, ha- positive habits, isn't it, basically? That's what I try and do from day one of the training so they can just manage it a little bit better. Yeah, this is something that's that I'm super interested in because when I was in sales and my early days in recruitment, I feel like I wish someone would have taught me this element of the job because I remember I remember being like six months into a field sales exec job it was like my first like suit and tie corporate job. I had a company car, I thought I'd made it sort of thing. I was like a proper adult. And uh, I didn't last long. I got fired after nine months. But one of the, looking back, like one of the things I realized was I had absolutely no structure, no organization, no system in place. I remember my sales director coming in and he had to explain to me how to like use a to-do list, which sounds so stupid, I know. But I, I really didn't know what was expected of me. I, I didn't know. I didn't have a barometer. I didn't have any experience. So, you know, some people might have naturally felt, you know, 100 outbound calls is a good day. And some people might feel 15 outbound calls is a good day. But without someone telling you that and then like laying out how to actually prioritize stuff, I think people like me were just naturally scatterbrained. And we need that system. And it doesn't, exactly. it doesn't matter like how good of a recruit you are, how good of a salesperson you are. It's um it's 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 tough, isn't it? Do you find do you find that being like a, a common issue with like what separates those who make it in those first, that first year and um and those who don't? It's funny because I've literally just finished I'm doing a um uh, well, it's, it is a presentation, but it's more of a talk tomorrow for a recruitment uh, industry group around uh, bringing trainees in, how to help them thrive and survive. And this is one of the things that I talk about is that kind of induction training. I separate induction and training periods, but is the fact that you people don't know what they don't know. And where it goes so wrong is that they bring in these trainees and they expect them to just be good at the job and learn on the job and they get frustrated when they don't know how to make a to-do list or do all these things. And it's like, well, hold on a second, but how they're not psychic. They can't read your mind about how they want, mm. you know, and everybody is different. You will have some, well, so-and-so's done it. Yeah, but so-and-so is naturally a disciplined person or naturally a driven person or naturally likes organization so they will you you could have you could put them anywhere and they will do that but there's people in that group so say we've got you in the group back then who naturally aren't like that and they and uh, as a group they need to know what to expect and what you want out of them and how to work the way you want them to work or how the, the way you think they should work so that that's like me saying um you know well if that was the case we wouldn't need trainers would we 
because there would be we'd be we'd be pointless yeah. because they would just know what to do. The reason we're there is to help them understand what to do. So I think there are some people that recruitment won't be for. They won't like the environment. They won't like the job or sales in general, right? Pe- people just, it's not for them. Um, and I think some people, bless them, they really want to do it, but it's just not the right environment for them. But there's some people that it is right for, but there's some people that you just need to give them that support and guidance to get to where they need to be. They're not just, we're not just going to click our fingers and they'd be a top biller. Like they need help to mm. get there. And that's whether they're young, fresh out of university coming into recruitment, or say my age and coming into recruitment. That doesn't make a difference. You still need to know what to do. It's like asking somebody to get in a car that's never driven and pass the test the same day. It's not going to happen, is it? So, yeah, no. I think you people just need to understand that they they can't just expect people to do things if they haven't been told how to do it. Everybody's different, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, this again. is, yeah, yeah, speaking from experience, I, I feel like this is why I personally struggled the first couple of years of, of my sales career before I got into recruitment. And I just wish like someone would have would have done this and um, just like what like you said, just not assuming that I know how to do basic stuff that they might think a 21, 22 year old just does because they've been doing it their life. But some people are just like so different in the way they approach things and they can be quite scatterbrained and they might not know how to do use a to do list or have never been taught how to do it. Um, yeah. What do you think of like? So there's a lot of obviously like new recruitment agencies um, popping up every week. And I, what I'm seeing anyway is like everyone wants to do recruitment slightly different or maybe they're taking what they didn't like from their previous agency um, or their previous experience and then trying to like create this cool, um, relaxed, flexible working culture. W- what do you think of like specifically for trainees? Can a trainee come into a KPI-less culture and succeed or is that structure and the targets and the kpis like vital for everyone depends on the person again it comes back to the the individual so some people need um structure like i love routine and structure and i don't like not having it so even when i'm not working and i've got a week off i have every day planned when i had covid and um, I was locked in the house, you know, for however many, I can't even remember how many days you were to be um, isolated in your house now. It was quite a long time. I made a spreadsheet with activities that I was going to do every day by time to just keep myself going and occupied. That's just the way I'm wired. That's just the way I work. For other people, that's their worst fucking nightmare. They'd be like, what? You li-? Like, no, just go with the flow. So it just depends on, on, on the person, I think. Um, but so say you are an agency with no targets at all. So I'll give you an example. My agency that I was last with, we had no targets. We had a threshold to achieve our commission every month, but it wasn't a target. Um, it was just to cover our desk and, and that was that. So I just set my own, because I like having targets, I would set my own target. So my manager knew that. So, you know, we'd sit down and work up what I wanted to bill every year, but he didn't hold it against me. It was just because it motivated me. When we took on a newbie that I was managing, we realized quite quickly that he was somebody that needed a little bit of guidance and structure. 
Um, and just disclaimer, I was a shit manager because I just didn't know what I was doing and I was still billing. So I didn't, all I cared about was my own work. Um, but we realized quite quickly with my manager, he needed that structure. So we gave him little metrics to help him measure his activity because he didn't really understand the output that was needed to get the results that we needed him to get. Um, but the agency as a whole didn't have any targets. It was just we did it to help support him because he is a person needed it and we when we put them in he liked it it wasn't like it gave him it scared him and he didn't like the pressure of it he really liked the security it gave him of knowing all oh, right okay I'm doing the right things now to get to where I need to go so I think it kind of just depends on the person I think you've just got to be flexible in that if you are one of those newer agencies and you don't have any targets but you bring someone in that could be experienced doesn't matter and they like having them, give them to them. If they like having it and it motivates them, why not? If they're going to achieve more, you just, I think just base it on, on the tailor it to each mm. individual, really. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we had, um, we had someone, because we were trying to like operate as a, like quite a flexible culture and we all hated KPIs, but I, I feel like, I feel like people, when they think of KPIs, they, they don't hate KPIs, but they hate, there's like a stigma attached to it, isn't it? KPIs. It's like this dirty word in recruitment because people always associate it with like two hours on the phone, five CVs a day, no matter what, regardless of context, blanket stuff. Um, and it's funny because I, I was, I was of that, I was of that kind of way of thinking because that's what I thought KPIs were. And then, we had we had someone join who absolutely needed targets because without targets they they were like me when I was younger like they really didn't understand what a good day was yeah like they might have had an amazing day with loads of activity loads of conversations but they were like I need a yardstick I need a barometer to like judge this against every day otherwise I'm just sort of like you know out in space without any sort of like context to, yeah. to see where I've actually if I've moved or not um what do you think as well of because you mentioned it earlier that you you do a four day work uh four day, four four and a half days did you say or I started four on four and a half days which never ended up being four and a half days because I'd work over and then as of literally January this year I went down to a flat four day week. So, this has obviously been quite a big discussion on LinkedIn for the last what eighteen months with all the studies and everything coming out. Do you? Do you, what, what's your thoughts on four-day work weeks in recruitment and recruitment agencies? I think it works. I've got a client that does it. Works amazingly. They all do really, really well. Um, it hasn't affected their figures. The business is growing. I haven't seen it. Affect, I've had my best year this year. I've already beaten my figures for last year. My end of the year is November. Working less days. And I haven't gone and and my clients the same they haven't added extra hours to other days to accommodate um I haven't either I thought oh god I'm going to end up doing really long days now like bearing in mind those four days sometimes two of those days like the last three months two of those days I haven't even been at home I've been with clients and either side of I've got traveling so can you imagine how condensed my time is I know I'm on the train but you can't work as effectively on the train um and I get everything done 
you've just got to be um my business is different i think if you're doing it in recruitment you've obviously got to make sure that with with the days off you've got you couldn't give everybody the same day off because you won't have all your staffing will you so it's making sure the days off work for people and the, and the business basically um but yeah i think it's totally doable i just think we've got this old school like perception sometimes that like well you've got obviously you know if you're not in this five days you won't be able to earn as much and how will the business grow and you know people are proving already i'm sure that there will be more there's more agencies doing four day weeks they wouldn't be carrying it on if it wasn't working I just think it's um, a nerve. I was nervous when I went down to four days. Like I was like, oh God, what's this going to like? And should I have as many days? Not that I have loads of holidays anyway, but you know, it's, it's nerve wracking, but I've had a really good reaction to it. In fact, the client I won that is a four day week client, I won because they saw me post partly because they saw me post about a four day week and they were like, oh, she shares the same values as us, you know? So I think it's totally doable, totally doable. It's just changing your mindset around it. Um, and I just think try it. If it doesn't work for your business, you can always go back to mm. five, can't you? It's not the, that's, that's what I, that gave me comfort knowing that in that, right, if I try it, it doesn't work, I'll just go back to five, four and a half days. It's not a big deal. So on that, on that point, because I've had a lot, I had a lot of discussions early this year about four day work weeks with, um, with directors of recruitment agencies i did a few posts about it as you can imagine quite a mixed response my thing is right so the studies are coming out saying it's working in fact it's actually in a lot of cases actually improves billings but also it's easy to attract staff morale obviously goes up people feel a bit more valued etc 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 the the ones who are doing it i'm yet to, i'm yet to come across anyone who said we did it it didn't work we went about five days and then the ones who won't do it, their argument is, if it doesn't work, we can't then go back to five days because everyone's gonna like already love the four day work week. If that makes sense, so yeah, like that that they're a bit scared of sort of giving, yeah, like giving them a taste of it and then losing their staff. But I, I I'm, I think this is most of my opinion, right? So I think recruitment is going to be changing a fair amount in the next couple of years in terms of the working schedules i think with all these new agencies popping up and they're trying to do things differently they are trying to do like four day work they are trying to um you know product service uh use trainers more and mentors more different benefits the way they do personal branding etc you know like how a lot of people in tech sales are doing it tech sales tends to be in my opinion like six years ahead of recruitment at all times so um this is this is going to be an interesting one because say more and more agencies move to a four-day work week would you not lose your staff to them anyway because there's going to be loads of agencies offering the four-day work week so it isn't now the time to do it i don't know what what you think of that yeah i suppose because yeah you're just going to be um you know, if there's other agencies that are offering everything else very similar to you and then they've got that added benefit of the four-day week, then if I was trying to pick between two and that was the one difference, you're going to go for the, well, personally, I would go for the four-day week. I think I think one thing that I think some agencies tend to struggle with is 
I know we all think like, great, if we've got those hard workers and, you know, they're the people like I was where they struggle with the work-life balance, but we're getting loads out of them. They're doing really well. And if, if they're enjoying it, fine, but it captures you up, right? It always does, whether that's 10 years down the line, five years down the line, whatever. And that having that extra day makes such a difference, especially people that have got kids trying to manage childcare costs, um, just seeing their kids in general. So it helps with that. But just having that extra day, because you know what it's like, right? If you've got two day two days off, you've got to do your big shop and all of the boring crap like that, right? So that takes up a half a day or whatever. Your weekend flies by, whereas if you've got that extra day, you can get stuff done and then free up your other days to have fun, relax, and come back to work on top form and perform much better because the more tired your workforce are or feel like they're not getting that respite or that break or I, I just think it, it always catches people up. Even the people that are like, oh, I, I don't need loads of time off. And I used to be one of those people and it does catch you up. You probably see the sickness go down as well because people aren't as, yeah. you know, their immune systems might be high because they're not as overworked or, you know, the sick days that people take they're just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm exhausted won't be taken as much. So I, I, haven't, I haven't seen any studies on it, but I would probably hazard a guess that the sickness days or people taking sick because they come with childcare or something, you know, these things happen, isn't it? So, um, and then, you know, people feel like their annual leave is being used from like more things like holiday. You should know, a lot of people sometimes have to take their annual leave to go to the dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment or and, it, you know, you don't want to take your annual leave for that, but you have to because you can't do a lot of these things at the weekend. So I I don't mm. see many any or many cons to it, and I've seen it work. So I think now would be a great time to do it because then you're, you're one of the leaders in doing it, aren't you? So, again, in terms of attracting staff, like you said, what a great way to do it. Yeah, it's... I think burnout is a really big issue in recruitment. Huge. Like I, I, this is something I, I'd love to get your thoughts on because I'm sure you've seen it a lot and you might have even suffered from it yourself. I actually spoke to a, um, do you know Katie Maycock, burnout specialist? No, I don't think so. I might have her on LinkedIn. I'll have to check after. Yeah, she, yeah she's she's really awesome. She She's just, she's like an ex-recruiter and she, um she had she, i think she suffered burnout twice like really badly and um and now she she helps recruitment agencies do that but it's it, it's it's a really big issue in recruitment like everyone knows the recruitment industry is known for you know breeding alcoholism drug addiction um you know it's it's extremely stressful when people get sucked into that uh the complete lack of work life balance right I also think it's because it attracts driven, determined people, and driven, determined people tend to be the ones who yeah. um, do that. Um, you know, you see it all the time with with uh, famous people as well, super famous people who who burn out, and then you have to take a year off to like recover from the burnout, and it's like a vicious cycle, right? But how? What's your thoughts on like how agencies can help? their recruiters with their mental health with their mindset keeping positive but you know that not even necessarily achieving a work-life balance but just making the job sustainable 
think it's kind of, I think it's been very, well, understanding your staff, so knowing the ones that might be more prone to it than others, and then just, I know it sounds really obvious, but really just keep, just keeping an eye out and spending one-on-one -on -one time with them and checking in with them, because there'll be some people that, like for me, I didn't voice when I was maybe struggling a little bit and feeling really stressed and overworked because I'm afraid of failure. To me, to admit that I need some help was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Um, and I worked remotely. So no one could see what I was like, what I was doing. All they could see was the results I was bringing in, which were great. So, okay, so, you know, and they don't like, it might be a quick phone call, like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. But actually, if you just, if somebody was sitting with me, I think they would have seen a different, they would have known, all right, you're saying you're fine, but you look like shit. <laughs> and um, you're clearly stressed. So I think you need some time off. So, um, yeah, I think it's just really making sure you know your consultants and you're spending that one-on-one -on -one time with them or you're just keeping an eye on them. So you're looking out for the signs. Um, and, you know, you know the people in your team that are like, don't take the holidays, you know, really making sure they see the benefit in it. And, you know, the world's not going to end if you're not in for the day. Their desk is going to be looked after. Um, things are going to get done. Because I used to find that quite stressful if if I was having time off. Just the worry of like, what's going to happen when I'm not when I'm not, and that used to stress me out. And then I'd be working on my holiday because I just felt that no one was managing my desk as well. Well, in my head, you know, no one was managing my desk as well as me. So um, I think we're probably all guilty or guilty of it when you've got those top performers and they're doing really well. Don't assume that they're fine and just ignore just forget about oh we'll just focus on the other people i think it's just making sure just just having those check-ins and making sure they're all right and you know and that they're not pushing it too far because otherwise they get in i got into that cycle of well this is just what happens when i'm doing really well this is how i feel but i want to do well so this is what i've just got to put up with type thing so this this is just what it's like. I think it mm. took me being um I had I had a panic attack in the end, basically. My body was just like, can't do this anymore in in an airport coming back from meetings. And then that was like the wake up call. But it took me ages to kind of get out of it. But yeah, I think just you've just gotta just gotta make sure you've just gotta give people that time so you can look out for the signs. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting one, isn't it? Because again, we again, I think recruitment is is one of the worst yeah. for this. So sales generally, you know, commission based jobs. But I, I think understand. I didn't understand how how like having a holiday, taking a break works. I know that sounds really basic, but just having that like. So when you're on holiday, I remember being interrailing, for example, in um, what was it, 2017, and uh, I was like checking my emails and, and helping to close a candidate while at a train station in Germany going to Austria. And though at the time I was like, "Oh yeah, it's really cool," like yeah, that's what I used to be I'm like. working on my holiday. This is so awesome. I'm so awesome. Um, my boss is going to love me. But the the 
what I what I slowly learned anyway, you know, listening to burnout specialists and and uh, you know, it's become a a big topic over the obviously the last few years, mental health. Is that even if you like do like one task, say, say you know in recruitment, so many things can go wrong, right? And it a candidate fails your interview. You check your email nine o'clock in the morning. You're on a beach. Check your email. Oh, he or she's failed the interview. I really need that to go in. Your days are in now. Maybe the next day as well. You're going to be thinking about it, right? Because the type of people who check their emails on holiday are also the type of people that are going to be constantly thinking about the the lack of commission or um, you know, not hitting the targets, or whatever. Um, it's I I I feel like that's something that we need to do better as as an industry and like just educating people around the fact that. If you take time off, you will actually do better. Like yeah. you will actually come back more refreshed. And there's nothing worse, is there, than like someone coming back from a two-week holiday and feeling exhausted because they've been doing work and trying to have a holiday. Yeah, I still struggle with. I do still struggle with it a little bit now. Um, I had a week off in um, in August, and I really needed it. You know, like when you're you're knackered. I'd done so much traveling over the last couple of months. I just needed that week to just. I wasn't going anywhere just to relax. And I said to myself, like, I'm just not really going to check my emails because my out of office is on. All my clients know I'm on on leave. It was August anyway. A lot of people were on holiday. And one morning, I don't know why, I just decided to check my emails. I, I only just got up. I was still in bed. And um, I saw something that was like signaled like bad news. And that was it then. The next took me two days to kind of get back into enjoying my time off and not having my mind distracted by work, you know? And it's just, I've done, I've done, when I was in recruitment, I've done it. I remember being in New Zealand for one of my best friend's weddings. And I checked, I was checking my emails all the time and the placement dropped out and I really needed it to go through, you know, when it's like one of those. And um felt like shit then for a lot of the holiday, just constantly thinking about it. Like, oh God, I've got to deal with this and this happened. If, if I'd have been away, would this have happened? And yeah, I think... It's all well and good having a work phone and your consultants having work phones, but I do think people deserve some time off and that there should be the facility in the in the agency that when they're not mm. in, their inbox is managed, their stuff gets diverted, they deserve to have that time off and people all muck in together and collaborate to help that person. It takes more than one person probably to help manage someone else's desk. So share those things out. Do it, whatever works for your agency, but I think then people won't be worried about taking holiday. They won't be worried about not having access to emails while they're away. They get the time off they deserve. They're an- it's their annual leave. They're allowed to have it. Um, and then everyone feels better about going on holiday and all the nothing gets missed. So I think, I, I don't think mm. it should be, it should really be a lot, even if they want to. No, nope, you're not doing any work on holiday. Yeah, isn't it? I think it's illegal in like Germany or France to actually contact really? employees on holiday. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's 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 like a legit like you can uh, I think you can like sue your company or something for doing it. I saw someone on LinkedIn the other day; they quit their job because they were contacted on holiday like several times. It's happened to me as well. Like it's it's one of those things where it's I think when you're early on. When you're like trying to, you know, it's it's very hard to tell a trainee who's like, for me, I, I didn't have a lot of money. Like I was broke when I, I remember when I moved to Cardiff and I got my first like recruitment job. I was 
broke. I just come back traveling from Asia. I was struggling to pay my rent in Cardiff, which is like half the amount in <laughs> London, by the way, compared to London, by the way. And um, like, I really, I, I would be in the office 12 hours a day because I was just like, I want the money. I, I finally got an opportunity in a job where the reward can be enormous. You know, you can't, people, you know, some recruiters earn double what like surgeons earn. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's a really interesting and it's an awesome industry, you know, um, and, and I, I, I love, I, I, I love many aspects of it, but I just feel like there's a lot of stuff we need to improve and we need to look at like industries like tech sales. It's the same sort of industry. It's the same sort of like, you know, it's selling, it's structured the same sort of way. Um, but I feel like the tech sales industry is far more, more forward thinking. Um, and we can, we could look at, we can take parts of that. Well, it's, and, it's setting the expectations again, isn't it? it? If you say to your new cohort or whatever, or the new person you've got joining the agency in week one, look, it is a hard job and we expect you to put the work in, but we also expect you to take time off. We don't want you working at the weekends every week. We don't want you working on holiday. That's not what we do here. We want you to have time to rest and recover. Otherwise, you're not going to be on your the best version of yourself. So it's instilled early, you know? Like I was in an agency earlier this year and, and I, I say it in the training room. You know, the people that hire me know my values. You know, if any of the trainees are like, oh, I did end up doing a bit of work yesterday on a Sunday, why? It's, it's, it's your day off. You know, I had a guy before make an offer on a Saturday and guess what? He fucked it up because he wasn't in work mode. He could have done it another time. He should have done it the day before, but the, the candidate couldn't speak. But, you know, there could have been a different time to do it. Not when you've just woken up on a Saturday and you had a few drinks the night before. You're not in work mode anyway. So, um. No, the group, the groups that I I train, I don't encourage lots of overworking and out of work stuff. And if they're going on holiday, have a great holiday. See you when you're back, because they deserve they deserve to have that time off. If you stop working on holiday early on, guess what? Everyone expects you to do it forever. It's what happened to me. My colleagues knew they my phone office for uh, work mobile would ring in the evenings. Oh, I knew you'd answer, Kate. Everyone knew they could reach me 24-7, so they took the piss out of it. That's my fault because I, I, there, mm. was, there was no boundaries because I didn't let there be any boundaries. Yeah. Again, yeah. This is, I think this is a two-way street, to be fair. No, not so at all. I don't think you can put all the blame on the agencies because there is, that, there is definitely that like human um, thing of, you need to set the boundaries because if you don't set the boundaries early, and again, I, I also struggled with this because I wanted to, you know, I thought it was, I thought I was like being a good employee. You know, I'm, I'm off, I'm going on, I'm going to, to Asia to do a trek for two weeks, but you know, drop me an email. I'll, I'll reply as soon as I can sort of thing. And my boss was like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so it comes from the consultant, but it also comes from, you know, if the boss is sort of encouraging that sort of behavior, you know, you know, 24 24 7 grind sort of attitude it's you know it it, it can be hard and um i think we've got better over the last six seven years like just generally like work life generally of, of discouraging it but you know when you when you're in that sort of culture where you feel it feels awkward saying you know don't try and contact me i'm, I'm on holiday because you feel like you're being a bad employee and you're not 
you know, commit to then, like, job, the way, right? like, my clients, I did it with my clients and candidates. They all, they knew they could contact me all the time. But then you've got to put on the flip side, like, what does that say to the client? But also, when they're away, you can never reach them. They've got an out-of-office on. You don't, you don't get hold of them. So why would they think mm. any differently of you doing it? And it's managing the time around yeah. it. Right, I'm going to go on annual leave in two weeks for a week. So before I go, what do we need to round off? What do I need to deal with for you? Because there will be somebody covering my desk, but I am not going to be available. So it's just pre, it's just, you know, again, setting a boundary and an yeah. expectation and then managing around it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a two way street. Definitely. Yeah. One thing I definitely want to talk about, because <laughs> I've done disc training with you and I, I thought it was fucking awesome. It's, I still talk to people about it now and it was over a year ago now, but I've actually got my report. I think I've got my report there. So. We actually, um, yeah, I've got it over there. So I keep it handy because basically, um, I'll, let, I'll let you explain it because I'll, I'll butcher it and it will sound shit. But um, with the with the disc report, um, we actually, I actually not only did I use it in in my job um, and you know managing and stuff, but also like in my um, my personal relationships. So I remember you saying it in the training actually. Like you're so much more aware of like what people personality um, types are, and um, with with my uh, with my fiance Annie, she she did uh, something similar. It wasn't disc; it was something similar. But we actually sat down and had like a couple conversations about it. And then what was really interesting was we were like, "Oh, we have friction here all the time because she is um, what's the because uh, I'm D I I think." And um, she's so like, like the opposite to you. SC. She's like the, she's like analytical, quiet, needs long silences, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I found it awesome. I think everyone should do it. But can you talk a bit a little, a little bit around this, like how you got into it? You know the importance of. So I got of it into in it because it was one of the modules of my coaching diploma I did in twenty. I started that in 20, 2019. Yeah, because I finished in twenty twenty. So I never, I'd done behavioral assessments before, um, just from, I mean, we did insights in my old agency in my first month or two, I think. Um, I'd done Myers-Briggs, I'd done Thomason's, I'd done quite a few. I do love doing, I've always loved stuff like that. So it's one of my modules and um, we did, as part of it, we had to take it ourselves and then um, we went, so we could understand it a bit better and go through the module and everything like that. And um, I think I thought before I did it, I had pretty good a pretty good understanding of who I was. But I think there was parts of me that I didn't quite understand. And I think I tried to fight against it. So there's part of me that is very outgoing, confident. Like put me in a room, like, put me in a room of people I don't care, you know, and I'm very comfortable to be around, you know, just talk naturally and be who I want to be. Um, but then there's part of me that sometimes can be quite introverted and I love my own company, like lockdown for me. People would felt sorry for me because I live on my own. And I was like, I feel sorry for you. Like I, I loved, I loved it. I just loved, I love reading, going for walks. I do a lot of <laughs> things on my own. And I think I tried to fight against the introverted side of me because I felt like, yeah, but you're outgoing. You're not introverted. And then when I did the, my got my disc report back, so I'm a DC. So just in a nutshell, Ds are very outgoing. Um, Cs are more um, 
yeah, in, introverted sometimes, I would say, but they would like to reflect and have um, time on their own and not too hectic environment sometimes. So there's the, the flip side. And I, I just, it just, oh, it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, oh my God, I feel so understood by myself, if that makes sense. Like, this makes sense now. And now I understand why I need that time and at that time alone. And when I reflect back on my recruitment career, the weeks where I'll give you a perfect example. The week I had the panic attack, I was in meetings with people all week, stress, traveling with people all week. I barely had any time on my own, any time to think. It was like boom, 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 go, 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 100 miles an hour. I was either on the phone or speaking to people or traveling with people. I had no, no reflective time, no downtime. And then I had a bad panic attack. And I know now I need that balance. That's what I need to be okay, you know, to be my, to be good in, in myself. So it just opened up a whole, and then I knew then I was like, oh my God, I need to take this further. I need to do the extra qualifications because I could see how I thought if I knew this when I was a consultant, I would have built more, 1 million percent, because I could have adapted to my candidates, to my clients. I could have worked better with my colleagues. Like I was a, a, a nightmare for my manager to manage, a nightmare. Like some of the things I used to say, I think, oh my God, why wasn't I sacked? Do you know what I mean? But I just didn't have the awareness to know you're being too direct, Kate, way too direct. So um, yeah, I just thought, wow, this is going to like, this is this is amazing for the recruitment industry. I need to, and I, I wanted to do the extra qualifications just for my own benefit as well. I thought, well, if I can increase my knowledge, I can be an even better version of myself. So yeah, it's, it's like, I know it sounds cheesy, but it literally has changed my life, definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, I was, I was definitely like interested in it, but having like actually done it, because I, I sort of heard of these personality tests and stuff, but having actually sat down and done it. And then um, I think for me, like, I remember you gave me the report, you printed oh off God, the report like and life. I was reading through exactly. it and I was like, oh I my God, this is like my life. Yeah. This per this, I feel like this person knows me. Uh, it, it was really interesting. And uh, I, I, I know a lot of um, a lot of the other people in the class like that as well. How have you seen like this affect recruiting um, that you've taught it to them? They just feel so understood. Um, and I think... I've gone into some agencies where they're doing it because they want their teams to feel more understood. But up until that point, maybe there's been some um, grey areas. And I think they just feel like, oh, my God, I've literally... Because sometimes it's the first time I meet them is just through the disc work. I might not have spent much time with them before. And it's kind of like, oh, my God, like you feel, you can just see them relax and feel like you get me. And I, I'm at a point now and quite lucky where with my disknowledge, quite often I don't have to profile people. I can spend some time with them and I know what they are. Um, and when I'm spending time with a group where I'm training them, sometimes quite a long time, it's really important that I get to know them so they feel comfortable with me and I let them get to know me so you know we're all comfortable together. And I just see the transformation, how they um, learn um and feel feel comfortable with me so if i've got some people in the room that i know are um have got a lot of s in their profile they're not comfortable so much with change 
um, you know, they're, they're not as uh, confident with new mm. people as other people in the room. And I recognize that. I know like a one-to-one can work really well with them or me just, you know, um, expl- explaining things differently. Sometimes me just sitting down with them one-to-one and after spending a little bit of time and knowing what their behaviours are, just showing I understand and telling them about themselves, um, you know, they're like, oh, my God, I f- like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm like. You totally get me. And the people that have been a bit wary of me like that, I've won them over. Because they're like, she gets me. And I, I'm honest about me as well. I know it's not all about um, me understanding them. I want them to understand me as well. But I've noticed, I notice a difference in um, them being able to manage their behaviours, um, them how they learn, how they, how they show up in the room, and then how comfortable they feel. Because I can feed this all back to the managers then. So then the managers can adapt. And, and actually, they're then able to... I see it massively helps with how they deal with rejection, things like business development. Um, well, hold on, you know, why do you think that person said that or does right. that or prefers you to text them or whatever? You know, it's not because it's, people can take it to heart a lot of the time, can't they? A lot of this stuff, especially if you're new to recruitment, the rejection can be tough. Whereas if we can get them to understand people's different behaviors and ways of working and actually how you're coming across they've got another string to their bow then, haven't they? I just find it helps a lot with that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, big part of selling is understanding where your prospects are coming from, right? How, where your clients are coming from and their situation and um, being able to understand their personality type and how you should present information to them, how you should communicate with so them is is so, so vital. And I, I think having done it as well, I think if you make that, um, if you, you, the way you sell and the way you do your job will, will change massively, especially even like with candidates as well. Like, you know, we all know that stereotypically candidates in different markets react differently. So, you know, if you're working in tech compared to say sales and you're speaking to a, an SDR versus a software engineer, th- there can be a massive difference in personality there. They can be a, two completely different uh, ends of the spectrum, and doing stuff like this is um, is extremely helpful. Um, just to just to finish this off, because just wary of time, but I've got two questions for you. So, what, in your opinion, makes a good recruiter? And with you know ai and everything and all the all the stuff we've discussed around like four day work weeks and and that sort of stuff where do you see recruitment going what do you think makes a great recruiter honestly i think a lot of it is about your attitude because we've all seen those people that like on paper you'd think like they'll be amazing um but i think it definitely is your attitude to to what you do. Your at, like your um, attitude to the job, how you work, your colleagues, your clients, your candidates, and that can't really sometimes be trained, can it? You know, like it's it's just there's 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 people that we've brought into training groups before where, like I said, on paper you think like, oh, they're going to be really good. Like they look good on paper. But their attitude stinks, right? They don't make it. 
they never make it. They say all the right things. Oh yeah, I want to do really well and I want to, you know, build this and bring in clients. But they don't do anything about it. And they just want things given to them. And they're lazy and, you know, defeatist, excuses for everything. Sorry, you're not going to last. Doesn't work. So, and and, I, and you can give those people the best training. Doesn't make a difference because their attitude stinks. And I haven't got time. Like, I'll be honest, when I'm training people, I do not have time for shitty attitudes mm. in the group. And I, I, I'm just not here for it. The, the agency has not invested all that money for you to just sit back and do fuck all. So as you can tell, I'm quite passionate about this, but it really pisses me off. So haven't got time for bad attitudes at all. Um, you know the types of people that just come in late and think, oh, I can be late, I don't care. Well, you've got a proper job now, so no, you can't be late. Like, you start work at nine, so you need to be starting work at nine. So for me, attitude is everything. Because we've all seen it, haven't we? People that do really well, and then they get a bit kind of cocky and complacent, the attitude stinks, what happens? So I think attitudes is everything. Um, Where do I think the recruitment industry will be in a few years? I'd like to think, I'm not a techie, techie person, okay? So I'm not... um, I'm not as in the know to comment on all of that stuff, you know, like automation, all of that stuff. It's not my natural, I'm not drawn to it. For me, it's not a natural thing. I don't, I'm not as interested, I don't enjoy it. Um, But what I am starting to see, and I'm hoping will develop and develop, and you've kind of touched on it earlier, we were talking about different cultures, is that companies are becoming a little bit more holistic. Um, DISC is often seen as being very holistic, right? And I'm seeing it slowly starting to, to have more interest, but I think that um, the, and the, I bring it into my training now. But managing behaviours and understanding people and you know the mindset struggles and all of that stuff. You talked about someone's a burnout coach, amazing, right? More stuff like this, please. That's where I that that for me is where our industry should go. Because if we marry all of that stuff together with what we've already got, and we can really tap into the to individuals that we've got in our company. I think there's so many opportunities. And if you haven't got internally those types of people to help you with that, go and find them because they're out there. But I'd, I'd, I'd love to see um, a more holistic side to, to what we do. So I, I think it's starting, definitely. But how quickly it will, people will buy into it. Because um, mm. some people see some of this stuff as quite woo-woo, don't they? So, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think holistic. It's yeah, I think holistic's a really good word for it. Like considering not just focusing on the technical side of things, but focusing on the mental and the physical as well. Almost, I always compare it to like an athlete. Like an athlete can be, you know, an absolutely exceptional footballer, like in terms of like the te- executing the technical skills, but. If their fitness their isn't there, or you know they've their, their mindset isn't there, they're negative, they're lazy, they're not disciplined, then they're never actually going to fully reach their technical capacity. And we, and you know, there's loads of footballers. Well, and yeah, athletes exactly. That's like a that, really good know. comparison um, to make, actually. But I, I definitely feel athlete. like that's the best way to because they're really good professional athletes. If you look at the overall support that they have, mm. um, they do get help with with that mindset and and all of that side of things. Like things like. Um, 
there was an agency I worked with recently where one of the managers, she was just getting, she's quite a new manager and she was getting really, she couldn't switch off from work, um, stressed, you know, like anxious about how the team were doing. And, um, you know, I was, I was giving her coaching. So this is a pure coaching session. I wasn't there to give advice or guidance, but we got to the end and I kind of said, look, are you okay if I give you a, just a little suggestion? So she gave me permission to. And I just said, look, something that's always helped me now, but I didn't do as a recruiter is meditation. And she said, you know, I came, came back. Uh, we had another coaching session. I think it was two coaching sessions down the line. I can't remember now. And she was like, oh, it's helped me so much. I do it before bed. I'm sleeping better. I'm feeling so much better. Um, but a lot of people turn their nose down at things like meditation. I did when I was a recruiter. It was like meditation. Because we think that you're sitting there like this and doing it. And you don't have to, do you? So just stuff like that yeah, it, it could make the, such a difference with some people in your team, couldn't it? But it wouldn't be the natural go-to suggestion, would it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of meditation. I um, I was the same. I thought it was yeah. like some yoga stuff. But it's uh, when I started doing it, it's just it allows you to it allows you to be very aware of like where you are and um a lot of people as well think that the point of it is without going down a meditation rabbit hole but they think oh you're meant to try and like block out thoughts but actually it's it's allowing those thoughts to come in and then go out and just being aware of what you know yeah this is a thing i used to i used to get really competitive with meditation because i was like oh i can't have any thoughts go and i was just like really tense you know like trying to keep these thoughts out and then getting frustrated but i definitely feel like stuff like that for sure is is it's building the whole package you're not just focusing on the ability to source and ability to sell and the 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 hard work aspect you're also focusing on you know the mindset the physical side of things etc um yeah no it's really important but thank you for no, having no, thanks me so much for coming on Kay. it's been an absolute pleasure um where, if people want to work with you where can they find on you linkedin all the time people like posting or chatting on that like just pop me a message like connect with me pop me a message that is probably the best way I mean my email and everything's on my LinkedIn profile but um or pop me a voice note on LinkedIn like whatever but yeah link I'd say LinkedIn's probably where I'm at most of the time 